Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! All right, that's me doing that crazy intro, uh, Dr. Fuck from uh, Thrash or Die and Combat. And go ahead, just crack the beer, go for it. Oh. Wow, oh, yeah. ooh, wow, that's the end. Hey, a lot of people like that. Yeah. Says you. I have yet to hear one person say, my favorite part of the show is when he cracked that beer. Hey, hey, I just heard that the other day, a friend of mine, he goes, I love that part when you crack the beer. So, nah. Yeah, right. Who's and this true friend? Story. Who's true this story. friend? Uh, oh, the contest winner that's going to be on, on our, our uh, special uh, secret episode coming okay. up soon. Well, so, nah. no, he's not going to be on no more because he likes that little crack beer. And I'm the star. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Show. The greatest podcast known to man. We, we do rule. Uh, I rule. Ian rule. Yeah, you know, I may goof on you, Ian. But I actually think you rule. I mean, why the hell would I fucking waste my killer, valuable, celebrity time if you didn't rule? So wow, that's funny. That's what I wrote in my notes to say about you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how'd you become a celebrity? How'd you get those half a dozen fans? Me. That's how you got it. Uh, and my John Cafferty cover band. Yeah. All right. Uh. Yeah, but you don't cover that song from that uh, Sylvester Stallone movie. I do. It's an encore. That's not what that's not what that one fan told me. <laughs> All right, so what's going on, dude? All right, well, uh, since we're putting up an episode we record a while back, uh, some things have changed I want to bring up. I want to thank uh, the Indie Authority. Holy shit, man. They got us Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, those Indie fans, man, they're digging us. They're digging our metal asses, man, and that's awesome. So check oh, yeah. us out. You, you heard some feedback? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're digging us, man. They're very happy to have us on board. People awesome. are digging it. Yeah. So I uh, happy as fucking pig and shit. Oh, wow. Of course, we got to mention our original home, other than the usual uh, suspects. That metal station, who's currently doing the Rock Box Three. Holy shit! There's a bunch of metal you can win, and of course, you can always hear us there on Sundays at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Am I so, allowed? Uh, am I allowed to try to get that rock box? I, I think you are. Really? I, I think you are. All right, cool. You, sh- you should be able to. Yeah, I'm gonna try to go for it. I'm gonna try to get it. And um, you know, I'm gonna try to keep this short rant, but I have here. But motherfuck iTunes had had a lot of fans lately saying. They left new reviews, man, and nothing's showing up on fucking iTunes. Uh, it's been nothing but prompts since they've done their updates, and uh, I really fucking hate iTunes, but it's a necessary evil. And uh, I also want to mention we do have a contest going right now, if it can fucking work. If you go on iTunes, we need some more reviews because that really does help this show get bigger. Uh, you know, we're gonna run it for a little while. The best review gets an autographed, personalized copy of the Combat EP, and that's that's fucking incredible. And, and make, no, no, and also to make, to sell it, to make sure people will enter it, it's my autograph, not yours. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had nothing to do. But, you know, my name's in there in the thank you, so you can still get to read my name. You'll get that so real you'll get that real rare one where it's crossed out. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, we've been having a lot of problems with the iTunes. If you've left a review and it hasn't shown up, please let us know. Let you know, put something on the Facebook and say, "Hey, I left a review." Hopefully they get their fucking shit together. Uh but yeah, we need we need some more reviews and uh man who doesn't want to win that shit that's an awesome prize and uh before we get in the news i want to give a shout out to a really great fan of the show very active on the facebook page and that's john holt and uh as they were recording this he just lost his uncle jimmy so i want to give a shout out to John Holt and his uncle Jimmy, uh, we feel for you, brother, and sorry about your loss. Man, R.I.P. Uncle Jimmy, man. Sorry to hear that. Hell yeah, I, I know. I, I know Uncle Jimmy liked the show. I bet he did. All right, well, let's get into some news. Uh, did you see Deep Purple on the Today Show? No, I didn't, but I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'll check it out. What did they yeah. do? Smoke on the water. Of course they did. And, and uh, it was one of those, man, I didn't even want to watch it because I'm like, do I ever, ever want to hear Smoke on the Water again? As much as I love Deep Purple. But uh, I was curious to see how they sounded uh, because I've never seen them live. And I thought they sounded great. I thought Ian Gillen sounded great. I know you said there's certain things he can't do. Actually, no, no, I said he sounded really bad. But the last, uh, the last tour, the last time I saw him last year, he... His voice has improved tremendously. Yeah, I mean, he sounded great. There wasn't a part in there, you know, it's not child in time. You know, it doesn't require that kind of shit. But I thought he sounded really good. Uh, you know, and while I was enjoying it, at the same time, it made me sad because, oh, my God, they all look so old. And it reminds me that, man, we don't have much longer to see a lot of these great fucking bands. And I'm sad because I've never seen Deep Purple. Uh but, it, you know, I, I'm glad they got some exposure if anybody even watches the Today Show anymore. But, uh, like I said, thought they sounded pretty damn good. By the time that show starts, that's when I'm going to sleep. I hear you. Well, you can watch it on, uh, it's on Blabbermouth, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, here's a story I'm excited about. I know you, you uh, ranted a few an episode ago or a few episodes ago about bonus tracks on discs and all that shit. Yeah. But uh, one I'm looking forward to is a 30th anniversary edition of Anthrax, Spreading the Disease. Oh, really? What's the bonus? That, yeah. I, you know, hey, you know, that's funny you say this, because that is the one CD I've always been bitching about that seriously needs a remaster, because that CD sounds like garbage. It always has, and they never... Re, they never it's always been the same one. They've never re-released, so they're finally remastering it. Well, there's not a lot of, like, details, details out yet, but Charlie is working extensively on it. I haven't heard if it's going to be, like, a... It, it's just going to be a 30th anniversary edition. I hope there's some remastering, but he said there is a lot of great unreleased and rare stuff to put on that album. And uh, this could be really good, because that was, you know, the same time they did... Uh, Sod, oh, no, you know, no, so there I, could let be. Let me tell you that that to me, along with fist fucking metal, that's to me, spreading the disease to me is Anthrax peak. That's where they peaked. They never topped that or, you know, the EP before it and uh, fist fucking metal. I mean, fist fucking metal. That's a thrasher dice song. I, I I know I like that. Uh, fist full of metal. Uh, 
Um, but, uh, oh, this, I didn't know this. Now, this is finally some anthrax news that I'm excited about. Well, there, well, there you go. So th there's not all the details, but it will be coming out. Charlie is working on it. And uh, I think it's neat because of the possibilities of, you know, crossover material between spreading the disease and, and uh, of course, SOD, speak English or die. So I'm looking very forward to that. Uh, here's a band that I definitely want to have on the show, and it's my fault because I haven't followed up on it, but I will, and I think this would be a perfect time to get them on, is Anvil of Nats that, you know, they're working on a new album, and they're doing like a pledge music campaign for the album. A lot of bands are doing that now. Uh, uh, Megadeth talked about doing it. Uh, Queensryche did it. Uh, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I'll tell you what. For Anvil, Anvil's a band that I would give money to because I saw these guys unloading their own truck in front of a bar, hanging out and talking to us. I mean, these guys are just purely doing it for the love of the music, and they're not, you know, rich by any fucking means, man. They, they were in a fucking, you know, a little, like, like, like an 80s station wagon dragging a fucking U-Haul. You know, but that shows you how committed they are to fucking Anvil. And uh, I would love, I need to get in contact with them because I would love to have them on the show so they can promote what they're doing with this Pledge of Music. And uh, I would love to hear the new album because the last couple albums I think have been great. Uh, do you got any feelings on that, Ralph? Well, um, I, I am not opposed for people, for bands doing that, asking for money. Um, but, I mean, I don't want to sound high and mighty here. But I, I have a hard enough time asking the guy at work for a dollar to get a Coke out of the machine, you know, uh, much less, uh, you know, asking people for money. I'm just like very proud when it comes to that. So everything that's Stretch or Die related, it's all from, well, actually, it is from the people because, you know, all the CD sales and T-shirt sales and patches sales and vinyls and all the stuff that I've sold goes into the Thrash or Die PayPal. And with that goes back into the band. But Thrasher Die is not, you know, Anvil or, you know, any big band or any means. But, you know, this new CD coming out is totally finan financed by the sales we've made by past uh, Thrasher Die merchandise. But I guess Anvil is a different type of thing. I guess, you know, with touring and, you know, we, we don't really throw away that much. We don't, we don't spend much money because we're not really a touring band except... And this is very important for the news. Thrasher Die news. Uh, first, I want to say that we're going on an East Coast tour very soon. Uh, we're leaving in about two weeks. And so far, what we got confirmed on August 8th, which is uh, Saturday, we're playing Atlanta, Georgia at Club 529. Then uh, there's a lot of days in between that we're trying to get some shows in North Carolina, South Carolina, Jersey, See if we can get one of those dates. But uh, the next date after that is Washington, D.C. at the Pinch, August 14th. The next day at Long Island at a place called the Dusk, Dusk, D-U-S-K, Providence. Now, this is very exciting news that just happened just a few days ago. We have been offered a tour of Europe. Yes, you heard me right. We are going to Europe May, late May and all throughout June. We're going to be touring Europe for a month. 
And there's nothing that's, uh, I can't say any dates or locations yet, but I will say this, and this is only going out to our listeners, because I'm not posting this online anywhere. We are flying, our first date will be in London, England. And I can also tell you that we will be playing Germany, Romania, and Italy, but there's other places we're also going to play. But I'm just saying, those are the ones that the guy told us. You're for sure playing Romania, Germany, Italy, and the UK. But we're going to be there for four weeks, so there's plenty of other places we got to play. I am going to Europe, dude. I am actually going to stand on UK soil, the birthplace of heavy metal, and the Beatles, and the young ones. And um, I'm, I'm beside myself. And Germany, our biggest market. Uh, we get to play to them. And Italy, oh my God. You know, Italy, where Marco's from. You know Marco, the guy that considers me God with the funniest yeah. funniest reviews ever. Have you watched that guy's reviews? Oh, yeah, I saw that review. Did That's you see hilarious. The, did you see the the new one he put up Well, Gary Moore? It's, no, it's, that I haven't it, seen. It's hilarious. Him and his buddy. His buddy just sits there and agrees with him. And yeah, that that's all I got to say about the Thrasher Die news, man. We're going to Europe and we're doing it. And let me tell you something. This whole East Coast tour, I'm very excited for that too. I mean, I know it sounds like I'm putting more importance to Europe, but no, that nothing can be farther than the truth because these East Coast dates, I'm going to give it just as much as I'm going to give Europe. It's that the Europe thing is like, wow, you know, we're flying to Europe. Somebody's flying us out there to play these shows in these exotic countries that I've never been before. And we are a band that, one, has no record label support. No, you know, nobody's promoting. It's pure grassroots. Everything is done by me because uh, all my band members, with the exception of my new drummer and and, uh, guitar player who really does put in. But before that, man, I had to carry the load. And, you know, any of the past members that have to be listening, you know I'm right. Anyway, so what else is in the news? Well, I just want to say, for one, I'm very happy for you and very proud of you. And this totally caught me by surprise, because when you called me and told me the news, I was very drunk. I thought you said you were opening up for Europe. <laughs> you know, you know. so uh, this is even better. But yeah, Anything's uh, better than that. Well, there, there you go. I don't think we'd go over well <laughs> if we were opening for Europe. That would be like right. that would be like you opening for for Thrasher Die. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> All right, so what else do we have in the news? Oh man, did you see this thing where they're uh, they're asking if Paranoid was ripped off? Did you see this on Blabbermouth? I not only saw it, but I listened to the original. Did you listen to the original track? Yes, I did. It's it's not nothing like it. I mean, the beginning is almost a little bit, but the the, the melody line the, the, the when when it's singing and the and the after the the intro it sounds nothing like paranoid to me really I, I I couldn't disagree more I I think it sounded amazingly like it but I will say this I honestly think there's no way in hell that Tony Iommi would have heard this in England they a they had never been even over to the states yet and uh you know and and it never made it big it didn't even make it regional where the band was from the band was called half life the song was called get down and i think it sounds eerily like 
fucking uh, paranoid. But I, 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 I honestly don't think it was a ripoff. I disagree. Okay. I don't think it's... I mean, the intro maybe a little bit, but then after that, it's like, really, the melody, the, the vocal melody is nothing like paranoid at all. Not even close. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, when it comes to things like this, I mean, do, do people are not aware there's a thing called coincidence? You know, every, you know, people pretend that coincidences don't exist. Let me go back to Led Zeppelin, too, because people love to call Led Zeppelin plagiarists, which in many cases, I believe they are. But you see, these same people that love to bash Led Zeppelin for being ripoff artists, I mean, answer me this. Can you name me one thing they ripped off from Houses of the Holy all the way to, uh, to, um, to the end? Uh, in through the outdoor, nothing. Uh, well, what? What? Cashmere? Huh? No, no, I'm not gonna. In say my time of dying, uh, the ocean. Uh, song remains the same. Should I go through every fucking song? There's nothing. I, Look, I don't know. I see a lot of similarities between hot dog and a piece of shit. Well, you know, but. Who the fuck recorded piece of shit? There's no such thing as a piece of shit song. That was recorded. Oh, the, that sounds like uh, hot dog. Oh, 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 hold on. Except for hold hot on. dog, in your opinion. Hold on, hold on. All right, what what song? What who recorded piece of shit and it sounded like hot dog? Piece of shit was originally recorded by Sammy Hagar and his high school band, the Horribles. You know, look, look, Ian. I know you're making a joke, but come on, dude. I mean, I know you hate hot dog and all, but really, do you have to go there? Do you really have to put Hagar? As something that Led Zeppelin would rip off, you should be really ashamed of yourself. Okay, maybe I'm a little ashamed. No, very ashamed. You know, say maybe Bruce I'm... Springsteen or something, you know. <laughs> I mean, we both think he sucks too, but at least, you know. Hey, I like Bruce he, Springsteen. Okay, there you go. Well, so, well, who do we both hate? Um, other than Sammy you. Sammy Hagar. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, either way, I'm just saying, anybody out there, I'll put you up to the challenge. Please, show me a similarity of any Led Zeppelin song. That was ripped off after they recorded Houses of the Holy. I'd like to I'd like to know because okay, the first album, yeah, come on, Days of Confused is ridiculous. You've heard that original version that wasn't the Yardbirds? It's ridiculously yeah. ripped off. And you know, they have a couple other ones on Zeppelin two and uh, you know um, was there something on uh on Zeppelin three? I don't I don't recall. But uh, well, yeah, they got accused a lot on those first, like, four albums. Yeah, uh, the fourth album, Stairway to Heaven, where I've heard that Taurus, whatever it's called. Uh, no, uh, by Spirit, yeah. It's very, I mean, the beginning is very, like, it's the same mood, but it's not identical. I don't know, I don't get it myself. Nobody's original, man, not even Spirit. All right, so uh, so that that's what I think. What, one thing I, I will say... Uh... And I, I know you're not a big fan. I'm not a huge fan, but like an instance of somebody ripping somebody off, check out uh, Nirvana's Come As You Are. Oh, yeah, and Bad Religion? No, no, it's Killing Joke. Killing Joke, that's what I meant. Yeah, Killing Joke, 80s. Holy shit! <laughs> Was that a fucking rip-off? And uh, they even acknowledged, you know, they listened to him and stuff. That was a pretty bad rip-off. But uh, uh, let's go into something. No, 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 wait, 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 let me go back for a second okay okay who, bye who gives a fuck man i mean i listen to that spirit version and then i listen to stairway to heaven and i'm kind of like hey look 
Led Zeppelin borrowed from this band and made it better. Come on. Who the fuck cares about that spirit song? There's nobody that comes out and says they ripped off such a, from such a great song. That song would have been forgotten. Nobody would have known about it except for, you know, uh, the guys in spirit, you know? Uh, my point is that there's, and Led Zeppelin ripped off a lot of shit and, and in my opinion made it better. But that's just a, you know, a matter of opinion. But, you know, I I heard the original Days and Confused. It's garbage. I heard the Yardbird version. Garbage. I, I prefer the Led Zeppelin version. So so be it. You know, okay, they ripped some people off. So what? They deserve gazillions for physical graffiti, which, please, somebody out there, show me where they ripped off physical graffiti in any way, any song from that album, which happens to be my favorite Led Zeppelin album. Cashmere? I know Cashmere has that Middle Eastern sound to it, but was there a song that had that, you know, same notes? Well, I did hear a Puff Daddy song that sounded an awful lot like Cashmere. Oh, no, you see, that's another example. Puff Daddy, <laughs> Puff Daddy made Cashmere even better with that Godzilla song. <laughs> oh, that shit was horrible. Oh, I'm so ashamed of Jimmy Page for that. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, my God. All right, well, let's wipe that shit right out of our mouth and talk about a band we both love, and that is the mighty Van Halen. Yeah, September and, uh, 15th, West Palm oh, Beach. I'm there. I'm, I'm so fucking jealous. Hey, I got to give a big thanks to, to Steve Kirsch. Uh, he sent me a message the other day. He said, dude, he goes, you fly out here, you can stay at my house. And, and man, it, 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 he goes. I heard the episode. I heard how much you know you love Van Halen, and it's breaking your heart not to see him. He lives near the place too, dude. He said he would pick me up from the airport. I could stay at his place and all this shit. And it meant so much to me. But really, it's in the middle of the week, and I can't take the days off of work. But just the sentiment, you know, I've never met this guy, and. Uh, you know, but I talk to him all the time online, and just, I mean, what, how awesome is that, you know, that, that a fan of the show would offer me that, I mean, the same thing with Bill Wayne, I'm actually going to stay at Bill Wayne's house, and I've never met him either, they're just people that we've met through here, but that's how much, how special this show is, and the bond we have. No, I know, that, uh, you know, also, just a, like a month or so ago, I went to New Orleans, and, and a, listener, <laughs> a listener of the show let me stay at his place, it was really cool. That's right. True story. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it, man. And, man, I hope they add another date because all the videos I'm seeing, all this, and, and we're talking about shit people record on a fucking cell phone sounds amazing. And Dave sounds good. And I would say, you know, I'll admit when he does sound like shit, but I think he's been sounding real goddamn good. But there was this asshole from Kansas City. Oh, boy. I saw yeah. this. I saw Yeah. This. Yeah, probably a fucking Chiefs fan, too. And to quote the great Slim Pickens in uh, Blazing Saddles, he's probably dancing around like a Kansas City faggot. This guy wrote a most... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you ever seen Blazing Saddles? Yeah, I know, but why do you bring that up? <laughs> You're all dancing around like a bunch of Kansas City faggots. Where the, white, where the white women at? <laughs> yeah. We're going to pull a number six on them. But, uh... Anyway, he went to the show, wrote a scathing review of David Lee Roth, and uh, just called him a ham and said he was like a creepy uncle and blah, blah, blah. And you could just tell, like, you know, 
this guy is probably pissed because he went there and they didn't play Dreams. You know, he, he's probably you know probably doesn't even like this type of music. Just got sent there, you know, for the newspaper and just ripped them apart. And I'll give him this: maybe Dave did have, have an off night. Everybody has an off night. But this guy even went on to say, uh, "Oh, and they play that horrible song in a simple rhyme." Like, if you don't even like simple rhyme. Bitch, you're not a Van Halen fan. And, and and here's the thing. For the real hardcore Van Halen fans, for them to put that back in the set list, which technically has never been in a Van Halen set list as far as after 1978. It's a song that's on Women and Children first, but they never played it on that tour. It's a song that they used to play back in the club days. So for them to bring this out is a really big treat. Just like uh, Dirty, uh, Dirty Movies and Drop Dead Legs. You know, those are th- songs that were never played live after they became, you know, a recording artist for Warner Brothers. But for this idiot to say, oh, that's the worst song on the set list, and, you know, you're going to pick that over Jump, then I know what I'm dealing with here. I'm dealing with a guy who doesn't like Van Halen in the first place. I'm sorry, but he doesn't. This is a, a, a fucking idiot that probably works for Rolling Stone magazine, or is one of those elitist type, saying that people were chanting Sammy Hagar on the way out, I highly doubt that with a fucking passion because 90% of people that go see Van Halen now are Van Halen haters. Thank you. I mean, uh, Sammy, Hagar, <laughs> Sammy Hagar haters. Exactly, because I'll tell you this, I never saw Van Halen with Sammy Hagar because I was that much of a hater. Like, I would not, I refused to pay money. And it, it, it irked me that I was going to go to my grave and not see Eddie Van Halen. But I refused to see him with anybody but David Lee Roth. So, are you going to tell me there's a bunch of Sammy Tards go, you know, that hate Dave so much that are going to these Van Halen shows? And I want to thank uh, another fan of the show that's on the Facebook page, Travis. I'm sorry, I don't remember your last name. But he posted another link from that same newspaper. I where saw all- that. Yes, where all these Van Halen fans came out like, hey, asshole, I don't know what show you were at, but yeah. I enjoyed the fuck out of it. You know, and and I, that means more to me than anything this fucking so-called critic has to say, because these are the fans that went there, and they enjoyed it. That's what matters to me, is the audience, not this fucking asshole critic. Exactly. The only, cri- the only critics that matter are you and me. But we're fans. No, no, you got to admit, the critics that agree with us matter, too. Yeah, them too. But uh, that's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about now. Because, man, it don't get more Southern California and fucking cock rock and big rock as Van Halen. And we're going to go into one of their bastard children. And that is Rat. That's right. There would be no Rat if it wasn't for Van Halen. Oh, fucking A, right. All right, Rat, Invasion of Your Privacy, released in 1985. Uh, at this time, I really loved Rat. I loved the EP. I loved that in the cellar. Then when I got this, I realized, okay, this ain't that great. Yeah, there's a couple songs I do like on it, but as a whole, it was a big disappointment. Not to the epic proportions of Hysteria, but, you know, it still sounded like Rat, but it didn't, I don't know. These songs are not as uh, hooky and awesome as 
What came before? What came before? I don't think there's one bad song on Out of the Cellar or the EP. Would you agree on that, Ian? Can you pick a bad song off anything that came before this? No. Everything was awesome on the EP. Everything was awesome out of the cellar. This one, it has some really great songs, as good as the earlier stuff. But most of it, on my end, I was pretty disappointed. Uh, I did see the tour. Now this is, uh, I, 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 I don't, I've never discussed this. I probably haven't. I, the first time I saw Rat, they were opening for Billy Squire. And they were amazing. Out of the cellar. They were fucking badass. And they destroyed Billy Squire. They totally owned them that night. Then I saw them headline for Invasion of Your Privacy. Uh, bon Jovi opening, by the way. And it was horrific. I was front row for this and the sound was so bad. It just didn't sound right. Like the sounds, they just sounded like shit. And I saw him at the Hollywood Sportatorium where I've seen every band, including Rat, opening for Billy Squire, where every band sounds great there. But they didn't sound good for some reason. And every tour after this, I saw Dancing Undercover twice. And both nights it sounded as bad as this. So after that, I stopped going to see Rat till the reunion of 97, where they played a little club and they sounded great. And then I saw him with Jizzy Pearl, they sounded great. And the last time I saw him with the Scorpions... They sounded great, but but Stephen Piercy turned to be one of the most lifeless front men ever. Uh, all right, that's what I have to say about Rat. Before we get into the songs, let's hear what Ian has to say. Uh, I absolutely fucking love Rat. Uh, probably my favorite band uh, out of the 80s. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely love them. Uh Back then, they were kind of neck and neck. You know, a lot of people, you know, the way history rewrites itself, uh, seems like they weren't that big a band. But they really were. They really were neck and neck with Motley Crue. I would say till Dr. Feelgood. You know, I mean, as far as popularity and shit. Uh, I remember getting into them, of course, with Out of the Cellar. And I wasn't even into metal yet, but you could not escape in 84. You could not escape out of the cellar. Uh, the same way you couldn't escape Shot at the Devil, Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry. Uh, Pyromania was still huge. Uh, and I just always fucking loved rap. And, uh, you know, nowadays they're considered more second tier. and Motley Crue is more of a legend. But I think it's a total flip side where I think, like... Out of Motley Crue's whole catalog, I think Motley Crue has like 30% good songs, 70% filler. I think it's the complete opposite with the rap. I, I, I think 70% killer, 30% filler. Uh, just better songs overall. Better songwriting. Uh, the amazing Warren Demartini. Uh, he's in a three-way time. My favorite 80s guitar players are Warren Demartini, George Lynch, and Jakey e. Lee. And they, they just have epitomized the 80s and what I love out of cock rock. And, like, you know, you know you, you don't have to play with, you know, like fucking Ingve, which I enjoy some Ingve, but it's, it's still kind of soulless to me. There's just something about, you know, Warren and Jake and, and George that is just like, it's technically awesome, 
and it just sonically it still tickles your fucking funny bone you know it's it's fucking awesome um but this album i didn't get into till probably a few years later because i just knew rat i'd bought out of the cellar but i wasn't like a metalhead yet you know i was still listening to more pop you know fast forward to you know 86 you know that's when i became you know full-on metal so i didn't get this at first but i absolutely love this album i think it's a lot better than what Ralph just said. He thinks, uh, I think they're an incredible band. I love Piercy's voice. Now he is, to me, he's he's kind of right there with like Vince Neil and uh, David Lee Roth, where they definitely sound better in the studio with some doctor, but they have something distinct about their voice. I, you know, and, you know, not, not to slam Jeff Tate, I love Queensryche, but I'd rather hear Stephen Piercy any day over Jeff Tate. They're just something gritty and fucking, you know, sexy and sleazy about Piercy's voice. And I've heard them live, you know, and sometimes they're better than others. But I still fucking dig it, man. And fucking Martini and Crosby were a great fucking team, a great twin guitar attack. Uh, Juan Crucier, I think, is an unsung hero of the band. A lot. Look at the writing credits. A lot of the hits, you know, uh, Juan was involved in and great backing vocals. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he did look silly on stage, almost like Rudy Sarzo type, you know. You, you got Rudy licking his bass. You got Juan jumping around with it, humping it and shit. Uh, Bobby Blotzer, while he's no, you know, Tommy Lee, and even though I think Tommy Lee's overrated, Bobby's a kind of by-the-numbers drummer. He he does great for fucking rap. And, uh, man, I listened to this song twice, uh, you know. I mean... Rat never leaves any kind of iPod or phone I got. I always have every Rat album, except for one, loaded up on it. Because I never, ever, ever get sick of fucking Rat. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see him in their heyday. I got to see him. The first time I saw him was in the 97 reunion tour when you saw him, Ralph. I probably saw him a day or two before you. I saw him in Cocoa Beach, Florida, playing a little bar on the beach. And I was embarrassed for them because, to me, they're rock gods. And they're playing this little fucking bar. But they were incredible. And then I saw them again uh, at West Palm Beach. There was a cock rock festival on the 4th of July. And uh, it was... Uh, Poison was headlining. And Rat was right below them. And it was like L.A. Guns and Great White. And it was terrible. Uh, I, I, I took some ecstasy that I soon found out was laced with fucking smack. And that shit fucking kicked in right before fucking Rat came on. And dude, I never, I'm not a fucking heroin addict, nothing like that. I wasn't expecting that shit. I was, you know, I was in my 20s and I was partying and holy shit. And I couldn't even lift my head up during Rat. I could hear them. But man, I was nodding out like a motherfucker. And I was so pissed because all I wanted to see was fucking Rat. And then I saw him again uh, before I, I saw the second show they did with Carlos Cavazzo on guitar, and uh, I loved it. On some songs, Piercy sounded a little bit rough, but overall, uh, man, I fucking dug it. But I get what you were saying about it. You know, like he did seem kind of like he was punching in. You know what I mean? He wasn't all over the place. He wasn't running around. He was like, ah, fuck it. You know, I'm fifty something years old. I'm at a house of blues. You know, I kind of got that vibe, but still, music, man, to hear Martini's guitar, it was fucking amazing. 
Uh, but I'm a huge rat nut swinger. And uh, let's get into this motherfucker. Uh, the first song, You're in Love. Holy bejesus. Uh, is that a perfect song? Everything great about cock rock uh, is in this song. And I fucking love it. Uh, it was the second single off the album. And it, it, it's a rat classic. You know, it's on any greatest hits. It's always played live. Uh, it was a great video. Uh, portions of it were recorded here in Louisiana and Biloxi, the live footage. And I believe this is one... I could be wrong. There's one video where they show Rat walking around Bourbon Street that I was loving because no, I watched... That's, uh, that's uh, Slip of the Lip. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's off of Dancing Undercover. Because I know I watched it a couple weeks after you left. I was like, fuck, I just walked past there with fucking Brown the other day. But, uh... I absolutely love You're In Love. What do you think? A uh, fun song, great song. Uh, total, uh, uh, what I love about Rat is all in this song. What I love about uh, the, the first two things they did. Uh, You're In Love is fun. It's it's a good rock and it's, you know, it's a fun tune. And uh, great little simple riff in the beginning. Awesome guitar solo. Uh, cool lyrics. I make you wish that you're you were mine, and you're struck by lightning. You're in love. I, I love it. Great, great song. I like the next one. <clears throat> Never use love, even though it does have a couple little. I like the little echoey uh, vocals he does, like you know you hear it during the verses and stuff. But I really, really, and something that really bothers me about Rat is that I think it's Juan, Juan Cruciate. Those high vocals you hear during the. The chorus, like, never use of. It, it, it just, I don't want to fight. I think it's stupid. It's pointless. And uh, it's it, it's the first rat song I ever heard where I went, ew. What do you think? I, I think you couldn't be more dead wrong. I think this is a great fucking deep cut. I love the fucking chorus on it. Never use love. I don't want to fight. I love that fucking shit. I won't get in your way. I prove it tonight. And the fucking tasty ass fucking guitar lick. Oh man, I, this is uh, Bobby Blotzer is doing a tour right now because Rat, Rat's in a funk right now because there's a there's a legal dispute. Stephen quit because he's pissed because he I think he either wants total ownership of the name. Or he wants to be an equal partner with uh, Warren and Bobby own the name Rat. And uh, so there's fights over that. So Steven said, fuck it. He quit for like the 57th time. Uh, and Warren says he's not going to do any more wet, uh, wet, rat tours without Steven. He's like, we're not getting Jizzy Pearl. You know, we're not doing this shit again. Either it's with Steven or it's not fucking Rat. Blotzer's pissed because he has a mortgage payment. So he's going out, and he's calling the Bobby Blotzer Rat Experience. And it's him and a bunch of other musicians. You know, no nobody's like a named person. But they're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Invasion of Your Privacy. And they're playing, like, I think they're playing this album in its entirety, in other deep cuts that have never been played by Rat. And fuck it, man, I would go see it, because I would love to hear this fucking song I, this is just begging to be played live I'm really really surprised you don't like there's, you know, there's a couple songs on here Ralph I can see like uh, I don't like that and I'm like okay I get it man this is a, one of them I'm really surprised you don't like this track 
I don't. I don't. It's it. It does have a few little elements. Like I like you know some of the verses. Like I said, that echoey thing that I can't remember it now. I I, uh, I can't remember the lyrics exactly, but I like you know some of it. And and the riff is not really that bad. It's the chorus that kills the song for me as a whole. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't like that. Never use love. I don't want to fight. I don't like it. It just bothers me. That's why. Uh, I think it's a clunker. Unlike the amazing, amazing riff that kicks off probably my favorite song off the album. And probably the most popular one, the first single. Uh, Lay It Down. Ooh, now this is good. And this actually shows like, it's weird because it shows like Rat kind of like maturing a little bit. Uh, You know, it does have like, you know, I don't want you for romance. I'll teach you all I can. That little... Oh, that whisper. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The the whole song as a whole is great. It's awesome. It's it's on par with everything they've done before this album. My favorite track and probably the greatest rat riff ever is uh, the beginning of the song. It's my favorite Warren D. Martini riff is that it's just so fucking great. Lay it down. Uh... Favorite track off the album? You? Uh, oh, of, of course, dude. Holy shit, that fucking lick. Holy fuck, that riff. Sexy as fuck. And I, I, I tell you what, even though I, I know we don't do it justice, uh, I was in a band. We weren't really a band. We just went to the studio and played, and they would always record us. You know, we'd pay, and they'd record us. We were called Blood Sausage. And Rouse, Rouse started a version. We do a death metal version of uh, "I Don't Believe in Love" by Queensrÿche, and that yeah. was kind of a, and that that's kind of a goof. Uh, Sako, uh, Sako Frumpy Spalding McGillicuddy, uh, he posted it on the Almost Human page. Uh, my friend made the video for it. I don't even have the tapes anymore. I mean, this was like the mid '90s. They recorded this on audio tapes. But anyway, we did a version of "Lay It Down" because I insisted on it. The guitar player could play it. I was like, "We're doing Lay It Down." Uh, even though, yeah, I don't sound that great, but I mean, fuck. Oh my God, I love this song. Sexy as fuck. Uh, the first single off the album, the song made it to number 40, and it was their last song to ever make the top 40 on the Billboard charts. They had other songs that charted on, like, the rock charts and stuff like that, but as far as, like, you know, mainstream. uh, You know, how can that be? I mean, that perplexes me, because you really think about it. Lay It Down was all over MTV. The album sold millions, and yet the the, the, the thing only reached 40? Yeah, it reached number and 40. That was I the highest. That song was like on main, you know, like, you know, the, all over MTV all day. And, and you know, and not, not only Lay It Down, but, you know, I bet your Home Sweet Home even did less than that. I'm not sure. I have to check on that. No, I bet you anything. Home Sweet Home, I pr- bet you didn't even crack the top 40. And it was like the biggest... Vi- it was so big on MTV, they had to retire it. Because to give other videos a chance. Because it kept hogging the number one slot on Dial MTV. Oh, yeah. But but I mean, there was... Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> where, where I grew up in Kankakee, Illinois, there was a station called The Bus. And they played top 40. And I remember requesting uh, Aerosmith. And this is uh, this was around time permanent vacation came out, and it was uh, I, I think I requested Ragdoll. I mean, I hate the song now, but I liked it back then. 
uh, they wouldn't play that because it was too metal. So, I mean, the Billboard Top 40 is definitely more like an overall pop chart. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of get it, but I, I totally see what you're saying because this video fucking ruled. And it was. It was all over the place. Everybody knew it. This album did go double platinum. You know, again, you know, people, like I said, the way history writes shit, you, you think Rat wasn't that huge. No, th this was a double platinum album. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure most that two million was sold in 85. I, I, I agree. Oh, no, I think it's totally wrong. Because, I mean, that song, I mean, holy shit, is that a classic. Yeah, no, and it was all over. And I remember hearing on the radio. The thing is that the, the, the charts are weird, bro. I think uh, the people that run the Grammys run the fucking charts. They, they're clueless. I, I don't know how that works, you know? I mean, you, you can take, like, the most obscure Madonna song. And I bet you it did higher than Lay It Down, where it probably didn't do as good on MTV and radio. Right. Because well, no, it's, it's always been a bias against metal, even at the height. Well, no, they would always keep it down. The, the charts are funny, man. Uh, me and the missus, we listen every week. We, we both love the fucking 80s. And we listen to this uh, show on Sirius, uh, Big Top 40 Countdown. And she always says the same thing. I mean, she's younger than me. But she's like, I don't remember this song. I, she doesn't remember any of the songs, hardly, until it gets to the top 20. I'm like, well, a lot of songs chart at a certain you know number and you know it might hey it debuted at 38 and then you never hear it again you know yeah i have no idea who does the fucking charts i mean to me this this should have been a number one smash with a bullet you know but uh fuck it enough about billboard we get in the next song which is give it all um now this is one i i will admit this one is filler uh I wouldn't skip it if I'm listening to the album, but uh, this is where you kind of see, you know, Out of the Cellar came out in 84. This came out in 85. And I think this album, and it does show in some areas, I will admit, uh, hey, you boys got a big hit without the cellar. Get your fucking ass back in the studio. You know, we got to make another record real quick. And that's why, you know, they called the sophomore jinx. You see it happen all the fucking time. <clears throat> age-old story bands have their whole life to write their first record it's a hit then okay you got you know two months to fucking write your next album uh happens all the time ghost a band i love their first album's amazing second album wasn't impressed with at all you know uh shit happened a lot a lot of bands their second album eh. and and this sounds like something like okay we wrote this you know in a bathroom in toledo you know, and it, and it sounds like it. Uh, what do you think? I know you're gonna slam this song. Yeah, it's it's it, it's boring. Uh, give it all, give it all. Uh, uh, again, I, I heard this on my walk, and it's so lifeless. Now you were talking about oh, you got you know I don't know if you're aware of this. I remember reading this in an interview back in the day, or maybe it was the metal shop, uh, where Stephen Piercy said when they were doing Out of the Cellar, they needed one more song. So they threw together a song and just put it out and didn't care for it. And that song was She Wants Money. What do you think of that song? Uh, I will say it's my least favorite on Out of the Cellar, but I still love it. I love that song. I, I love it. I, I love it, but it's my least favorite. It's funny because when you ask me, like, is there a bad song 
on the first on the EP or, or out of the cellar. I almost said she wants money, but it's like I still like it, but it's my least favorite on out of cellar. It, I think. Well, yeah, I would have to probably say it's my least favorite as well. But it, it, it's a fun, catchy tune, and they did that one uh, like as a goof. Like let's just go in there and you know, look, I got this, I got that, and they just put it together real quick. Well, that's, but but, but uh, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but. To me, out in the cellar is pure magic in the bottle, the same way that fucking Shout the Devil is, you know? Yeah. Like Shout the Devil, my least favorite is fucking Danger, by far. But I still like Danger, but it's my least favorite. But those albums, what a magical time that was for Cock Rock. I mean, look at how good Pyromania, Out in the Cellar, fucking Shout the Devil, you know? Hey, all you that. Know, I, I don't consider that. I mean, because you were very young, but at the time, it wasn't cock rock, man. It was heavy metal. You know, and it, you know, and Rat is like, you know, you can put Rat in the same category as uh, Motley Crue and even Black Sabbath, but they're, they, they're like, we're not metal. We're Rat and Roll. Shut up. You're hard rock. You, you know, when I listen to Rat, it's not like, oh, look, they're Nine Inch Nails. They invented a genre or something. You know what I mean? There's nothing original about Rat for them to call themselves Rat and Roll. You're a hard rock band. Get over yourself. Shout at the devil. Yeah, heavy it's metal. A, it's a great catchphrase. It's a good, uh, great catchphrase. I'm insane. Lack of communication. Scene of the crime. Oh, heavy metal. You know? Uh, give it all garbage. Give it all. I guess it's like the same scenario. Hey, we need another song, guy. Let's go in there and just bash one out. And that's yeah, Give It All. But Give It All was played live really? on, on that tour. Yes, they did play it live. Wow. Wow. Uh, I, 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 I checked. I had a bootleg from 87. It was, it was actually the Dancing Undercover tour. But I was just curious to see, like, if any of my favorite deep cuts uh, from this album made it to it. None of them did. <laughs> but I don't yeah. have anything from the from the Invasion of Your Privacy tour. Uh, invasion of your privacy. I remember they played "Give It All." Uh, they played pretty much this whole album, except for uh, uh, one of my favorite songs that I'm not going to give away. They didn't play live from this album, and we haven't gotten to that one yet. But uh, then, then we go into the next one, "Between the Eyes," which I don't think they did play live. No, 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 no. I know, I know. Closer to the heart. Uh, I don't think they did play this one live. Now this song is like. Their ballad. They finally do a ballad. They haven't done a ballad yet. You know, you can't count Back For More as a ballad. You know, it starts off not right, right, right. So this one's more of a ballad, but still, it's not even, like, that mellow. But it's still, you know, in rap standards, right. it's a ballad. I think the chorus has a really good hook to it, but then they lose me again in the chorus. And I feel like it falls flat. I'm not a fan of this song either. What do you think? All right, uh, closer to the heart. I, I dig it. It is kind of like the rare ballad. Uh, and Rat didn't do a lot of ballads, and I love that about fucking Rat. But, you know, Stephen Piercy's voice really doesn't lend itself to a ballad. You know, he's not that type of singer. But, you know, this is their let's give it a try. And uh, uh, I dig it. I mean, is it a classic 80s ballad? No. But, uh they, they, they did a great job, and I really don't think they did, like, another ballad, really, until Detonator. And I, I love that, you know. Because you don't have to do ballads. You know, that that was the bad thing about, like, especially towards the end of the 80s, you know. First single's a rocker, second one's a ballad, you know. And then the ballad, ballad, ballad. 
that Aerosmith puts out a record that's 50% ballads. Uh, but this is still, it's heavy, but it is the ballad. And I think it's a great song. But uh, then we lead into one that I think is a killer fucking deep cut. I think it's sexy as shit. It's got a chugging riff. It just reminds me of why I love the fucking 80s, and that is Between the Eyes. Uh, this was the B-side, actually, to two singles. Uh, it was the B-side to uh, You're in Love, and it was also the B-side to What You Give is What You Get. And uh, What man, You Give and What You Get was a single? That was the third single off the... off the, And I, I didn't know that before, because they didn't make a video for it. Uh, it was released as a single, but I, I think that one uh, peaked at uh, number 89 on the right. Billboard charts. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I love Between the Eyes, and this is one, I mean, you talk about deep cuts or, you know, you know, if you're a fucking rat roller like me, something you'd want to hear, dude, Between the Eyes is fucking awesome. What do you think, Ralph? I love this song, and this is the song they didn't play live. And I was like, fuck, man. It's one of, the, one of my favorite songs off the album, uh, mainly because of that fucking riff. Oh, and, hell and, yeah. And, 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 the way that song kicks off. And the melody, like, I don't want your misfit way. Yeah, it, 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 It's yeah. great. It's great. It, it's up there with Lay It Down, You're In Love, and everything that came before it. This is Rat, like, hitting a home run with a song. Nice. I'm glad you like this. Oh, I love Between the Eyes. It's one of my favorite tracks off the album. Possibly my second favorite. Uh, which goes into the next one, which I love as well. Uh, which I didn't know was a single. I do love this song as well. I just think it, it it gets a little worn out, though, after a while. Like, okay, you can stop saying, what you give is what you get. If it would have just edited that down a little bit, I would love this song. As much as Between the Eyes, because I think it's a really nasty you know the, the, I love Stephen Piercy's performance on this song and you know mid-tempo but heavy and kick-ass I dig it man what do you think oh hell yeah dude uh, I, I love it and like you I was clueless that it was a fucking single but it's it's rat through and through uh, I can see what you're saying about it I mean th this is one of the ones that sounds to me like written real quick like, if they would have had a little bit more time, maybe it could have been a little bit better. But, man, I ain't fucking bitching because it just sounds like it's got that Martini, you know, fucking guitar with that fucking Stephen Piercy swagger. That just sums up fucking rat to me. And uh, I, I really fucking dig it. And then you go into uh, uh, the next one, Got Me on the Line. Uh, to me, it's Killer Filler. I, I, I know I'm probably stretching a little bit with Killer Filler. But it's one of those ones, it's an album track. You know, if I'm listening to this album, and this is one that I do, man, from start to fucking finish, uh, you know, I'm not going to skip this fucking song, but I'm not going to go, you know, I would never go to it first. Like, sometimes you need a rat fix. I might go to Between the Eyes or You're in Love or Lay It Down, you know, but I'm not going to go right to fucking Got Me on the Line. But I dig it, man. It's fucking rat. What do you think? Ugh. Really? Now, a funny story about the next song. Uh, you should know by now. <laughs> I, That's all I can say about that one. Nobody I hangs up on me. I listened to that yesterday. I was like, God. <laughs> I was going to bring that up, and I forgot. I love that. I think that's a blotzer. 
Yeah, nobody hangs up on me. Got me on the line. Very 80s. I can understand why you like it. Exactly. I don't like it at all. Now, the next song you should know by now. It reminded me of... This is a funny story that I'm very vague on. Because I don't remember much of it. Because I'm kind of... Because I was very, very drunk when I saw this show. That It was a ritual to drink a lot of Jack Daniels in the parking lot. And go into the show. Because back then, we were broke kids. And, you know, uh, we couldn't afford drinks inside the venue. This was the sports tournament arena. And, you know, they sold beer and stuff. But we couldn't afford it. So we would sit outside and drink and drink and drink. Now, by this time, I already saw Bon Jovi open for the Scorpions. So I knew better not to go in this time. <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't see Bon Jovi. I stayed outside. Got really, really plastered drunk. And I snuck all the way up front row, right in front of Robin Crosby. And I was watching this show and going crazy, even though it sounded like shit. I was drunk. I And, um, okay, I'm going to give somebody a little secret. And it was so easy. And you can probably still do this today, but you might still get caught. This is what we used to do back in the day, how we used to get front row or close to front row. All you needed was a ticket on the floor. Okay? And this song, this show is very educational. Uh, you would get a ticket. Let's say I had 22nd row, right? You get a little white out, right? And you erase the two. And it says second row. Now, you don't go up to the guy and show him the ticket and get second row. No, this is what you do. You wait till the lights go down. And then you walk up and the guy is kind of like, you know, there's a lot of people running up. And he's checking tickets with a flashlight real quick. And he would just see second row. Okay, go. And I would always get up front for every show back then. But this night I was a little too drunk that I got, I don't remember the how I got, what happened, but I do know I got kicked out of the show. I did get kicked out midway through. I didn't see the whole show. I saw half of the invasion. And I remember being outside at the, at the gate wanting to get in. I was trying to sneak back in and they wouldn't let me get back in. And they were playing this song. You should know by now. And I remember screaming it. You should know by now. You should know by now. I was screaming at the guy that wouldn't let me in. And he threatened to call the cops on me and shit. And I don't remember much about that. That's Now, the song is okay. It's not like, you know, I just, that's my only memory of the song. It's not bad. I mean, I would give it a couple notches above all the songs I dislike on this album. It's an all right tune. What's your, what's your opinion on it? Wow. Uh... Holy shit. Uh, I think this is by far the worst song on the album. And I cannot believe they played it live. Yeah, they did. Because I remember it, screaming it as they were playing it because I heard it from the outside. They didn't play Between the Eyes and they, and played, they played this. this. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. To me, this is Motley Crue level filler. This sounds like something off of fucking Girls, Girls, Girls. It's, it's really like, this is the song I probably would skip. I... I, I like you were talking about choruses earlier. I hate the chorus to this. Oh, man. Yeah. I love the story that you told, but man, I hate that it involved they played this and not between the eyes. Oh. But then we go into the last song, which I love. It's called Dangerous But Worth the Risk. Um, 
it, it's another deep cut. I don't know if they played this live, but yes, I think it's did. a. And, they and did. They, they played it live a couple times after this tour. I saw them do it with Jizzy too. Wow, awesome! Yeah. I don't rec- well, man. I was so drunk when I saw them on the beach in Florida, man. Because I mean, where they played was a party place, man. Oh my god, what a night it was! That was a week. I I saw five concerts in one week. I saw the Stones twice. Once in uh, as I saw Anthrax and Pantera. Uh, in Orlando, saw the, the Stones in Miami, saw the Stones in Orlando, saw Rat and Cocoa Beach, and there's still a fifth concert that I cannot remember this day, but I know I saw five concerts in one week. Rent was late that month. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, man, I, if they played this, I wish I'd remember it, because I, I dig it, man. It's just, it's a deep cut. It's, it's fucking rat and roll, man, and I fucking dig it. I love it, and, uh, I love this fucking album, man. Great way to end it. What do you think? Uh, this song, you know, believe it or not, is a lot of people I remember back in the day uh, would point as that as one of their best songs. I think it's all right. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't hate it at all. I'm kind of on the fence about it. It's okay. I like some parts of it, and, uh, and then some parts are like, you know, I like the part where he goes, it's true. It's true. And if, I, if memory serves me correct, I believe they opened the show with this song on the 97 reunion. If not, it was the second two. I know it was very early in the set. I was like, oh shit, Dangerous Worth the Risk. I dig it. It's an okay song. It's, you know, I put it up there with uh, uh, what you give and what you get. You know, it's like, I don't love it, but, you know, it's, it's all right. It's not bad. Maybe they did play it, man. I smoked I smoked weed back then, so I, I could have forgot it. Yeah, they, they, you know, when they opened for the Scorps, they didn't because they were opening. But uh, I'm telling you, well, I saw them do it with Jizzy. I remember that. The reunion. And I don't recall if they did. Yeah, they did it on the Dancing Undercover tour as well. Wow. So, yeah, they did. They Actually, I don't. I can't believe it wasn't on that bootleg you saw. Because they did play it. They, that stayed in the set list. Yeah, no, the bootleg I have, it's a, I have an audio bootleg from Germany in 87. I'm sure they uh, played it. You should overlook, you look it again. I'm sure yeah, it's well, well, no, no, I mean, I'll look, to me, I don't think it's a full bootleg. I think, because it's only like 10 songs, so I have a hard time, you know, they were headliners then, so I doubt that was the full set. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as a whole, I love this album. Is it out of the cellar? No. Uh, but man, it's a great fucking album. And the ironic thing is, uh, excuse me, as we are recording this, we are recording this on June the 13th, which is exactly 30 years to the day that this album came out. And that's wild because we planned this without knowing that. Yeah, I had no idea. That's just, you know, certain things I look up on Wikipedia, you know, just for, you know, any like little factoids or shit you know stuff other than personal opinions I, I i try to look up and i was like holy shit i think today's the 13th man and uh wow man does that make me feel fucking old at 41 <laughs> i feel like a dinosaur but you know what I, listen to this album makes me feel young and uh you know there's a lot of times like i'm really fucking uh jealous of fucking ralph you know you know for being nine years older than me because there's a lot of classic tours and all kinds of amazing shit that I that I love so much that I didn't get to see that he got to witness but on the backhand of that this was the music of my puberty 
And I am so happy for that. You know, because Cock Rock, oh my God, to, 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 a, to a kid grown up in the mid-80s, uh, you know, this was a soundtrack, you know, I mean, anything will get you hard when you're going through puberty, but all the music I listened to was sexually charged fucking music, man. The videos, the songs, it was all about fucking chicks and shit, and that's all I was, that's all I thought about. You know, there was no, you know, I wasn't drinking, there was no drugs, but everything was sex and rock and roll with me. And this music spoke to me. Because it was all about guitars and chicks. And man, that's what fucking cock rock was. And I fucking, I love it. And every time I hear it, it takes me back to that place. Like, I'm still just a guy that wants to finger bang a chick. You know, and like I said before, I love finger banging. There's something sexy about that. It's not quite fucking... But it's close. But it reminds me of being at that age where you might get the finger-banging chick, you know, and you're worried about it because her parents are home and they might walk in the room. But Jesus Christ, at least you're doing something you're not supposed to. Then you're having fun. And it's, it, it, it's music reminds me of that. You know, it is. It's finger-banging fucking cock rock. And I, I never get tired of it. And uh, even though it, uh, for a long time it wasn't fucking cool, you know, when grunge came in and you know, Cock Rock's a fucking joke. And Cock Rock did make a joke of itself by the late 80s, early 90s. It became so watered down and shit like that. But this, to me, is Cock Rock at its purest. When it was still, like, really good and vital and fucking... It's music that still stands up, you know? And I love that, and, I, and I'll stand by it, you know? I, and I take flag for a lot of Cock Rock that I like that might not be popular and vulgar. It's fun to make fun of. I don't care. I listen to that music. I enjoy it. It takes me to a special place, and I love it, you know, because I'm finger-banging chicks to rap. You know, why, you know, Ralph, you know, a little bit older, you know, he, you know, it was afternoon delight. But that's cool. I like that shit, too, you know? I was finger-banging girls, like, uh, in the 70s. No, I was one uh, I know. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like I was 13, and she was 36. I'm sure I told that story. Oh. Uh, Oh, oh, tell it again. I mean, yeah, that... I, that's how I lost my virginity. I lost my virginity when I was 13 years old to my brother. My brother doesn't listen to the show because my brother doesn't know this story. Uh, okay, let me tell this story. I mean, this has been a quick review. And let me tell you something. This story is outrageously killer that I, after you hear what I have to say, you know I can't make this shit up. It's awesome. So, it's such an insane story. Uh, when I was 13 years old, my brother's best friend had a wife and she was an older girl she looked a lot like Marsha from the Brady Bunch nice and uh, she looked great for 36 I was a 13 year old kid her husband was a truck driver he would uh, he was always out of town you know obviously because he's a truck driver and one time I don't remember exactly how it transpired but she called the house looking for my brother or something and I picked up the phone, and I was like, no, she, he ain't here. And she's like, well, how are you doing? And we got to talking. I don't know how it came up, but she said, you know, you're still a virgin. You know, like a joke. She was joking with me. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not a virgin. She's like, yeah, right. You've had sex? I go, yeah. She goes, ah, I bet you never have. Yeah, yeah, you want to prove it? I mean, she was very forward. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. So back in that time, I lived with my parents, but... My parents had this little house behind the house. My dad originally built 
for his lawnmower stuff, but then he turned it into a room. And I used to stay back there, so I could sneak out, and my parents would never know. So she came by, of course, the husband's out of town, picked me up, took me to her house. She had a brand new baby at the time. And I'm shaking like a leaf. I don't know what the fuck to do. And, you know, the first time I ever kissed a girl, I wasn't really even, even into chicks. All I was into at the time was movies and, uh, and, and music. So she, uh, you know, she, she got me hard. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I got hard back then. But I never orgasmed till that night. And I was like, what the hell was that? You know, I didn't even know we could come or anything. Anyway, fast forward the next day, I'm at school. And all I can think about was what happened and how I wanted it to happen again, <laughs> right? So I would call, and and this girl would fuck. I'm, dude, I'm talking about almost five years of this going on. Okay, so um, she it, it it went on and on. Now here's the fucked up part, and that's why I am screwed up and like I can't hold on to a chick. <laughs> According to Bailey, Bailey, now you'll understand why I can't, I can't keep a girlfriend, because I was technically molested by a hot 36-year-old. Now, this girl, when she, when the husband would come back to town, I would be seething in jealousy, and so pissed, and I'd be at home like really mad, going, I bet she's fucking him, like duh, you know, you know, and it, it really fucked with my head a lot, you know. Until the fateful day, I'm oh wait, I'm I'm fast forwarding. All my friends thought I was God, cause she liked flaunting me to my friends. She would buy me stuff. She took me to see Ozzy uh, with Randy Rhodes, cause of her. Um. Anyway, so fast forward. Oh, uh, after all, she bought me a lot of vinyl that I still own to this day. Very sentimental. And anyway, so by the way, she must be like 93 by now. <laughs> Which is kind of fucked. Cuckoo, cuckoo, Mrs. Robinson. Exactly. So, uh, how it all ended. And it came to a screeching halt after many years. I got a phone call. Now, this is back in the day when we only had landlines and no caller ID. Right? I pick up the phone. And I'm like, hello? And he's like, is this Manny? Uh, 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 hey, Ralph, put your brother on. And I go, who's this? This is Oscar. I'm like, ooh. Oh, man, he ain't here. And he goes, I'm on, tell, yeah, he goes, sure. I'm on my way over there right now. And he hangs up the phone. And I'm thinking, he's coming to kill me, you know? So I run to my friend's house. And I lived on this block where every time it was dinner time, my mom would yell my name. And my mom has a loud voice. You know that, Ian. Every yes. time she yells at you and oh, yeah. you, you can't yeah. get it up. Like, stop, stop. Or, or Jesus, can't you get it up? Anyway, so so one day she was like yelling my name, like for dinner time, and I'm like, all right, it's safe to go home because he's not there, you know. So I go home and I eat my dinner, and then I go I, I go in my room, and then I go in my room and my brother's in there, and I'm like, what are you doing in here? And he had a fucking bloody lip, a fat lip, and a black eye, like he was in a fight. And he goes, I don't want mom to see me, man. Oscar and me got in a big fight. I was like, whoa, what happened? And he goes, yeah, he found out I was fucking his wife. <laughs> and it destroyed me. I was like, my brother was fucking her too? 
And I never saw her ever since. I've been, it, it, it became a thing where she just cut ties with all of us. And I've never seen her since. And that's my story about how I lost my virginity. Holy shit. Crazy story, huh? Man, how old were you, 13? I was 13. I was 13 up to almost 18 years old. I was doing this. <laughs> oh, and, and also, I also want to tell you this. After that was all done, all I wanted was an older chick. And every t- I go to parties and hit on all these chicks, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're so cute," you know, you know, because I'm like, you know, 17, 18, hitting on 35 year olds. Did, did you have like a uh, like a Hugh Hefner robe and a pipe too? You know, no, like you're, no. you're older and no. You know. But I'll tell you this: this girl showed me so many things to do sexually that when I was banging like girls my age, like they were like, "Oh my god," because nobody my age knew how to fuck. They didn't have a mentor like her. I'm not going to say her name. Oh, fuck it. Her name is Cheryl. Fuck it. And and, uh, what do you call? uh, So I knew certain things. Like she told me how to, you know, give oral. I don't want to get like too. Oh, fuck it. Why not? She told me how to suck on that clit, man. And to finger and to do all this shit. And the fuck. And, you know, she showed me a lot of things that when I was banging girls my age, they never had a sexual experience like that. But the thing is, girls my age turned me off. I wanted somebody older. Now it's the reverse. I don't want nobody older anymore. <laughs> but uh, that's my story, man. So there you go. From rat to that. I, I like that's, that's much more romantic than how I lost my virginity. But mine was at 13, too. Which, I mean, I played like some crazy doctor when I was younger. But man, when I was 13, I just switched schools. And uh, my buddy, my buddy Brian Fineris, fuck it, I'll mention names. He told me he got laid over summer. So which means I had to get laid at no cost. You know, I had to fucking get laid because he got laid. So I switched schools and, you know, I'm nervous. I'm the new kid and all this shit. You know, I got long hair and a lot of people had cut their hair because it wasn't hip. And uh, I, I found out who the school whore was. And I was like, oh. You know, and she was nice to me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to date her. So I date her for about two weeks. And uh, and we don't have sex. And I'm bitching one day. I, I was like, God damn it. How come we're not having sex? You know, and she's like, well, that's why I like you. All the other guys just want sex and you're nice. I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, if you loved me, we'd have sex. You know, that kind of fucking teenage shit. So we end up, we, she's like, fine, let's just do it. I was like, Really? cool so we do it we we do it on my dad's weight bench and oh wow yeah and i remember it was warm it was wet i never wanted to leave and it was the best 15 seconds of my life (laughs) And, and and when it was over i was like can we do that again and she's looking at me like, I didn't know we finished. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I want to do it again. She's like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's, let's do it again. So we start going at it again. Now, this time, she's moving. She's shaking. She's yelling. I was like, yeah, I got this shit. I got this down. I know what I'm doing. I'm fucking Johnny Wad, man. I'm nailing this shit. And she keeps convulsing. Shake it. I look over. I had a puppy. My dog was humping her leg while I'm on top of her. And she's trying to kick the dog off of her. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I fucking drop kit that fucking mutt across the fucking room. And then 20 seconds later, I was done. 
and and uh, and uh, I've been hooked ever since. And I think Rat was playing in the background. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Well, uh, oh, <laughs> also, yeah, yeah. And now he's all he's playing in the background, which is very. For some reason, Led Zeppelin One always plays. Not always, but majority of the time I have sex. That's always something from that album comes on either the radio or something. You know, if I'm on shuffle. And it's very, like, every time I hear, like, you know, like a Zeppelin 1 song when I'm with some chick, it's like, God damn, dude, what, what is it about this album that's... And I remember when I, the first time I ever had sex, she played that on vinyl. So, and like you, I did, I don't, I don't know if it was 15 seconds, but it was quick. <laughs> because when I came, and I came in her, by the way, and she didn't care. Fucking... But she didn't get pregnant. But well, yeah, she uh, was like fifty-two. You know, chances of her having a baby. Well, she was thirty-six. Okay, well. at the time. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, yeah, I, I came in her. I came in her multiple times after that. I don't know. Maybe she was on the pill. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it was very quick. But I, I, that that feeling of orgasm and the first time was petrifying. To me. I was like, whoa. You know, and I was too embarrassed, but I did say to her, like, you know, after that, I was like, man, the first time I came was with you, and yeah, I am, a, I was a virgin, and I, when it happened, it scared the fuck out of me, but the next day, I was thinking, I want to feel that again, but this time, I'll be ready for it, you know? <laughs> so, that's the story. So, let's go into pick of the week. Oh, well, hold on. I got a couple more facts. We got way off base. All right. <laughs> There's a couple more things I want to go off. That's why we rule. That's right. Hey, hey, the first time I made a girl squirt, I fucking yelled at her because I thought she peed the bed. I'm like, why would you do that? I'm like, why would you do that to me? I'm like, my grandma's going to see that shit. She's like, I don't know what happened. It just felt so good. I'm like, you peed the bed. But anyway, uh, <laughs> true story. True story. Different girl. Um, but, uh, uh, like I mentioned, this album came out 30 years ago to this day. Uh, the second album produced by Bo Hill. It went double platinum. Shortly after the release of this, they released Rat the Video, which had all their videos up to that point. Which, which was very hard to get back then, by the way. Yes, uh, but I did have a copy on Betamax. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, it did go platinum. And the following year... Oh, here's something we didn't mention is the album cover, which is amazing. The, the hot-ass chick on the album cover... On, oh yeah, that's on the Lay It Down video. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And on uh, on Out in the Cellar, that is Tawny Katane on the album. Dating Robin Crosby at the time. Yes, and fucking everybody else in between. Apparently she was a very nasty whore. But uh, at that time, you know, Robin was claiming her, but she was fucking everybody else. But the chick that's on the cover of the Invasion of Your Privacy album, her name is uh, Marianne Gravati. I don't know if yeah, nothing forgotten. happened with her, right? Uh, she was a Playboy playmate that Stephen Pierce saw in Playboy and picked her out. They asked her to do the album cover, and uh, and she was in the Lay It Down video. Uh, man, if this ain't gonna make you old, look at the cover. I mean, this chick is hot as fuck. She is now 55 years old, a mother of three, and owns a sports bar with her husband in California. Uh, this album cover was also brought up by the PMRC. Uh, by saying it was too sexually explicit that uh, it promoted boyerism, uh, you know, because the windows are open. But, oh, my God, how sexy is that chick? Oh, my God. Uh, Beautiful. Oh, 
Totally. A great, great album. Her cover. facial structure was amazing. Oh, oh, amazing. I'd like to see what she looks like now. You know, I'd still hit it on principle just because she was on a rat album. Yeah, I'd but... still hit that 36-year-old on principle now that she's 94, <laughs> just for old time. <laughs> I'd like to break those hips, boy. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that's that. The funny thing is they picked out a, a Playboy Playmate, and the following year, in August of 86, Stephen Piercy was in Playgirl. Now, whether he I – don't, I don't think he got – No, the, he was not naked. Okay. I, and, and don't ask me why I know this. Okay. Why, why do you know this? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you, because it was on Metal – I used to be on the Metal Sludge board. Oh, I love Metal Sludge. I used to be well, there they, they, You know, they have a bulletin board, which I, go, I do go on now and then. It used to be awesome. But now – and I also want to give a shout-out to Iggy Pop, Will Eat Itself, who sadly passed away a few years ago. He was a really cool – he was the king of the Metal Sludge uh, I think I remember bulletin that. Board. Yeah, anyway, uh, there was a thing about it. Uh, on there, the the playgirl and and no, he didn't show his junk, but he showed his ass. Uh-uh. Oh well. All right. Well, on that note, we will go into fucking pick of the week. And do uh, you got a pick of the week there, Ralph? Yes. Believe it or not, uh, I was looking over there as you were talking about rat. Um, I am gonna pick probably the greatest, most popular band known to man. What would what band would that be? Black Sabbath. No, no, come on. Bigger than Black Sabbath. The Beatles. The greatest group ever. The Beatles. Exactly. My pick of the week is a Beatles album. And it's an album that really not... A lot of people don't really... I never heard anybody say this is their favorite Beatles album. It's not mine either, but it's it's up. To, it's in my top three. Okay? My favorite Beatles album is Rubber Soul. My top four. Rubber Soul is my favorite. Then Revolver, because it's pretty much Rubber Soul Part 2. I have to give it to Abbey Road, my third book, my fourth favorite. And I don't even think it's many people's fourth favorite. I love this album so much is Help. I think Help is an incredible, incredible album. It's it's them still being like the early Beatles, but they're showing, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, like you got to lo- hide your love away. Oh, it's yeah. Only love. Lyr- lyrically, it's very mature. Yeah, it's getting, they're, they're getting more, you can... That's what you know. The Beatles are so amazing because they were. Uh, every band wants to do that. You know it. Every band wants to be different. On every band wants to show maturity. Beatles, it just came to them naturally, and you can hear it. You know, act naturally. There you go. One of my favorite uh, Ringo songs. Uh, that whole album, I love. I love Help. I think it's an incredible album. I don't think the movie's as good as A Hard Day's Night. It's a, it, it's it, it's a watchable movie. But Hard Day's Night was way better. Uh, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen is Hard Day's Night. Uh, it's, it's a genius movie that everybody out there should check out. But uh, Help is my pick of the week from the Beatles. Oh, awesome. Incredible pick. Uh, my pick is the final album by the original Alice Cooper group, and that is Muscle of Love. And I think it's very, very underrated. Uh, it came off, you know, their number one album, Billion Dollar Babies. And uh, they were really kind of burned out. I mean, they were just touring nonstop album, you know. Uh, it was produced, uh, it was the first time they went away from Bob Ezrin. And it was produced by Jack Richardson and Jack Douglas, who was an incredible producer, did a lot for uh, Aerosmith and, and John Lennon and 
Uh, and the first cheap trick album. And, yes, and the first cheap that trick album. rules. Oh, incredible album. But uh, Muscle Love really gets overlooked. The only, like, so-called hit would be Teenage Lament 74. But uh, I love the whole fucking album. I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. Uh, but to me, there's a huge difference. You know, there's like, there's the Alice Cooper group. And then there's Alice Cooper solo. And I'm definitely way more an Alice Cooper group uh, fan. But I love it all. But uh, some Muscle of Love is incredible. Hard-Hearted Alice. Uh, working Up a Sweat. There's so many great songs. They recorded the song The Man with the Golden Gun for the James Bond movie. Because they were all huge James Bond fans. And it got turned down because they thought it was too controversial. Because at that time, Alice Cooper was really fucking edgy. And uh, they had a song by the British uh, singer Lulu actually got the, did the theme for that movie. But they had their own version and they put it on the record. But uh, check it out. Metal Blade reissued it in 89 or 90. That's when I first bought it. And I actually have it on vinyl. It came in a cardboard box. I have the original packaging and everything. It's, uh, it's a really good one. So check out Beatles Help and check out... Alice Cooper Band's Muscle of Love. And I have it as well with the cardboard box and uh, nice. man, my, I I love 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 that that title track. Oh yeah, what one of his best for sure. Yeah. So, so let's great, great, great song. let's go into fan of the week and uh, <laughs> wow, this is a wild fan of the week. This is one uh, I'm sure everybody's over the big hoopla of our of our fake fight and everything, but. Uh, we had a fan that came into the Facebook page in the middle of all that. His name was Sacco Frumpy Spalding McGillicuddy. <laughs> and man, he ripped everybody apart. He ripped me and Ralph, other fucking fans on the page. He showed no mercy. And, you know, some people thought it was me. Some people thought it was Ralph. But an act. Are you going to. Uh, and. and... It's not either of us. Yeah, Are you going to yeah. say who it is? Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out here and say okay, it's actually right. a guy I work with, a very dear friend of mine, Kevin uh, Villamoret. And, uh, <laughs> and and he likes to show. I'm trying to get him into metal. He, he's a, well, he, he's not on the, the Facebook page as himself? Uh, yes, he is. But, he, okay. he you know, he posts. He's not really into hard rock or metal. I'm trying to get it into it. He's much younger oh, than me. He was raised on fucking rap and country. And I, sure. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm trying to fix all that shit. He actually had tickets. I talked him into buying tickets to the Rush show that we went to. And at the last minute, he backed out and gave it to his parents. Which is nice, though. His father very much is a Rush fan and enjoyed the show. But uh, but he's, he's, he's just a funny dude. And he thought it was great. He was in on the whole joke, you know, of what we were doing. And he just wanted to come in there and cause some chaos. And, uh, and he did a good job, and people were loving him. Some people hated him. Some people hated to love him and loved to hate him. Uh, I loved him, by the way, and, and all he did was bash me, yeah. but I loved him. Oh, he, he, loved he him. bashed me, too. He picked on everybody. It was funny. I got People were sending me messages like, who the fuck is this Socko motherfucker? Yeah, a lot of people thought it was me, and a lot of people thought it was you. I was like... I sent you a message right away. I go, who the fuck, Sako? Oh, he just, yeah. He first came on the page just bashing me relentlessly. <laughs> but uh, he had a little spice. And that's another reason why you people have to come on the Facebook page. Cause it, yeah, there's a lot of funny people. Oh, on that my page. God. It, it, and there's, there's great videos, great pictures. 
great talk, a lot of fucking ball busting, but if you listen to this show, that's kind of shit you dig. So there's no excuse. Get your ass on Facebook and sign up to our fucking Facebook page. Uh, we also got to give a shout out, as always, to that metalstation.com that airs us twice a week, Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, man, thank you so much to Scott Green and that metal station. Everybody check it out. They got some hard shit, some heavy shit, classic shit. It's all there. Uh, so please check out that metalstation.com. And also check out some some friends of ours. You got to check out the Decibel Geek podcast. You got to check out the Joe and Gully show that is also on thatmetalstation.com. Uh, these are some other quality podcasts, friends of the show. Um, go on our YouTube page. Uh, as always, uh, use our Amazon link, please. Uh, it's on the Podbean page. Just click on that. Buy whatever. I get a cut from it, and I greatly appreciate it. It's a free show, and that's a little bit to kick back to me, and it helps me pay for the show and buy beer, which I need help. Um, anything else you want to add to this before we get into some tunes, Ralph? Uh, no, man. I'm itching for some music. Here we go. And this one it's one of my favorite bands. Man, what an honor that I got to play with them two times and... The guitar player liked us. He said, don't you ever change the name of your band, Thrash or Die. I'm talking about Raven. And that was my impression of Mark Gallagher. Though John Gallagher was cool as fuck. And uh, their drummer, um, oh, Joe, I forget his name. He was in the band Pentagram. Remember them? Oh, I love Pentagram. He's in, he's in that documentary. Nice. Dude, I hung out with that guy outside the hotel of um, Puerto Rico. Because I used to be a, a smoker back then. And every time I walked out to have a cigarette, there he was smoking. I mean, ne- never failed. He was always there. Cool dude, man. They were All three of them are cool. And they're very well aware of Thrasher Die. And John and me, we speak sometimes, you know. He's a too cool dude. And uh, I'm going to play something so classic by them. We, we need to get him on the show. Uh, I'll see what I can do. I'll talk to him. He's kind of hard to understand, though. His English, he's got that Cockney. You know, it's called cool. like I had him do an intro for our DVD. He's like, "This is Frosh or Die," like with an F, like Frosh, you know. But uh, yeah, I'll see. I'll see what I can do. I can talk to him. But uh, this is this song is so catchy. This is off Wiped Out, and they also named the live album after this song. This is called Live at the Inferno. <laughs>
That was Raven with Live at the Inferno. Classic, classic heavy metal right there, man. Can't beat that. What do you got there, Ian? All right, this is one. Um, you probably never even heard this, Ralph. And I'm surprised I even like this. Uh, I first heard this on Eddie Trunk. When he started describing it, I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this shit. This is going to be fucking terrible. This is a side project from Phil Collin of Death Leopard. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and also uh, Glenn Matlock, the drummer from Sex Pistols. And there's somebody else in the band, and but I don't know if he's from a bigger band or anything. But they're called Man Rays. One hor- horrible name, one word. This is off their album, Punk Funk Root Rock. This is Over My Dead Body.
right, that was uh, Man Rays with Over My Dead Body featuring Phil Collin, who is in Def Leppard. But before he was in Def Leppard, he was in a band called Girl uh, with Phil Lewis. Is that his name? Yeah, Phil Lewis from L.A. Guns. Phil Lewis from L.A. Guns. And when he joined L.A. Guns, he took one of the Girl songs with him that came out on... L.A. Guns debut album, which I, I really like that album a lot. It's very it's very heavy. Um, this song is called, and this is the girl version because L.A. Guns redid it. And I think they did a great job. But the original is just as good, I feel. This is a song called Hollywood Tease. There you go. That is uh, a band called Girl, and the song is called Hollywood Tees, featuring Phil Collin, that's now in Def Leppard, and uh, Phil Lewis Yep. on vocals, and they had another guy in that band that had a solo career, Gary Laffey. Didn't go far. But, uh, <laughs> alright, uh, what do you got there, Ian? Oh, man, of course, you know, I'm going to change it fucking 180 degrees again. And this is a band that I fell in love with. Uh, if anybody out there got this great documentary called Get Thrashed, 
Yeah, I got it. Amazing. You saw that? Okay. Well, on the, there, there's uh, bonus features that's just as long as the actual documentary. And there's this band that they interview. They interview a lot of newer thrash bands to have them talk about all the, you know, the old school bands. And I'm talking about Municipal Waste. Yeah. And I'll, oh man, you just, these guys are so much fun. Uh, guy has another side project called Iron Reagan. Yep. And they just played here. Yeah, you saw it? I'm sorry. Did you see him? No, unfortunately, no, it was a, it was a Tuesday night. And in New Orleans, New Orleans never closes. So shows here, usually, it doesn't matter if it's a fucking Tuesday. You'll be lucky if the headliner goes on by midnight. Because it just never shuts down here. So, man, uh, and I just had to miss it the day after fucking Anvil because I got so fucking lit up. So, yeah, I missed them. But, uh, man, I really want to see these guys. I'd love to have a beer with them because they are some fucking partiers. I have. But, and I have pictures of me drinking with them. Nice. With Tony, nice. With Tony and Landfill. I got drunk with both. Because we nice. played with Municipal Waste. And they they loved us. And, and man, I mean... They were so amazing. They actually had a boogie board for people to, like, uh, what do they call that? <laughs> Body surf on yeah. actual boogie boards in the crowd. That was so awesome. <laughs> we played this show with them, which was by far the most incredible pit that I've ever performed. You know, when I, I saw that pit going nuts for us, man, during, you know, because this was Municipal Waste's crowd who happened, you know, this is Miami, so all these fuckers love Thrasher Die, too. That, uh, it was just fucking insane. And then they came out with the classic, you know, the Municipal Waste is going to fuck you up, you know? Yeah. Uh, I love Art of Partying. That's like my favorite Municipal Waste album. But what you got there, Ian? All right. This is off the follow-up. This is off Massive Aggressive. And, man, this is a great song. And they have a fucking hilarious video for this song. Y'all need to check out on fucking YouTube. This is Wrong Answer. Nice.
That was wrong answer by the waste. Yeah, municipal waste. Awesome, awesome. Crossover-ish thrash band. Great guys. Highly recommend uh, their side project. They also have another side project called Cannabis Corpse. I don't know if yes, ever, yes, I, I have that. We were supposed to play with them in New Jersey, but at the last minute, while we were driving there, because we were doing an East Coast tour, we just played, um, uh, what was it that we played? North Carolina. And our next gig was with them in New Jersey. And on the way, the promoter called us saying, show is canceled because the venue refused to have a band called Cannabis Corpse play. <laughs> is that ridiculous or what? So we just went to New York after that. Anyway, so, um, all right, my pick. You know, it's totally a different type of band, but it's heavy as hell, and it's fast as hell. And not a lot of people know this from this band. We did an episode on him, Crocus. But this is off their 1988 album called Heart Attack. Not a lot of people, yeah. you know, people that like Crocus pretty much stopped at the Blitz or before. But uh, this album was pretty damn good. It was a return to heaviness. And this, I think, is probably their heaviest song ever. It's called Axe Attack.
attack. Man, that's a heavy ass tune. Probably their heaviest song ever. Uh, all right, man. So uh, going from that to this, what's up, we in? Oh man, this is a band that they've kind of turned into a circus over the last I don't know decade or so. But man, when they were good, they were fucking good. And I think they're getting back on the right track. And that is Queensryche. And this is off the first Queensryche EP. This is Lady War Black.
That was Queensryche from the classic EP, Lady Wore Black. The ballad of the album. I mean, that album is very heavy metal. Uh, I don't think they ever... Like, you know, after even the warning, right when the warning came, they became more... Progressive. Progressive, strange, where that EP was really straightforward. Bam! Queen of the Reich, Blinded, Knight Rider. The bonus track, Prophecy, is like total traditional metal with no left and right turns. And that was the ballad of the album. So, you know, that's a great song. I love that song. A song that they would always play live, I remember. Like, every time I saw them, they always threw out that song. Okay, that's enough for the music this week. Ian, uh, what's coming up next week? Oh, next week. Holy shit, we got punk rock icon Henry Rollins is going to join us. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, well, we I hope t- we get a word in edgewise. Yeah, I don't know, because we're going to be talking about the talking heads speaking in tongues. We're going to be burning down the house. (laughs) Okay. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Get in the van.